0: because you know you have to be able to see their evolution over time and make sure they're ready for that and all of that it depends that we just talked about was it depends on the athletes that's not even bringing into the fact of what equipment you have how much space do you have how much time do you have because once you put all of these things together i think that's what shapes your training philosophy your training philosophy at once
1: And welcome back to another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Before going into the episode, I want to thank our sponsors, starting with the DOYSC, the Department of Young Strength Coaches. This group is designed for young strength coaches wanting to go into the field of strength and conditioning. Whether that's CSCS prep, GA or internship opportunities, or even live discussions, they are a resource for young coaches to take advantage of. I will put the link to the Discord in the description of this episode. Also, Team Builder. Team Builder is the software. For performance coaches around the world. Their Powerhouse platform provides coaches with the elevated experience when it comes to program development, data tracking, and staying connected with athletes and clients. t is full of tools that coaches need, like multiple max training methods, 16 plus reports, evaluation testing, goal setting to name a few. Coaches also have access to consultations with team builders and house sports scientists to help manage and analyze data. Head to teambuilder.com and sign up with the promo code conjugate to receive a 30-day free trial as well as a 52-week football workout program. So please be sure to like, rate, subscribe, and even share this podcast with a fellow coach or a fellow in iron. I am your host, John Mark Raspberry, current strength coach over at Bolivar Central High School. I'm here today with Steve Rose. So I'm going to let him introduce himself and what he's doing currently in his uh, role as a GA.
0: All right, so uh, yeah, I'm Steve Rose. Uh, Currently, I'm a grad assistant strength coach at East Stroudsburg University. Uh, For those of you that don't know where that that's at, that's in eastern Pennsylvania. Um, Previous to this, um, I have been a volunteer assistant at Lehigh University for the last four years. I've also done some work um, with that strength coach's speed training business called Speed Advantage Training. I've worked in the private sector for Chris Fluck, and I've done some other internships at, um, I did an internship at Springford High School under Will Geositz. So, um, and yeah, so on and right now I'm in a one year's, uh, one year master's degree program at East Stroudsburg, getting a master's degree in exercise science.
1: That's awesome, man. So talk to us a little bit about your road to training conditioning. Talk to us how, why did you even want to go into this industry?
0: Yeah, um, I'm in this field because I want to help people. Uh, I think that's one of my admirations for this field. The majority of people in this field also want to help people. Uh, you know, when I was in high school, uh, I was an undersized football player. I was maybe 110 pounds as a freshman in high school and wasn't really good at football. So um, we started weight training, though. When I was a freshman, you were allowed to start working out. And I quickly like realized like, man, like I love the weight room. Like the weight room is my favorite part of every day because I had a really awesome strength coach. Um and you know, that strength coach, yeah, he helped me get better at the sport, but he was a human being too. And he would he was a great storyteller. Like he he'd tell stories about like like Wim Hof or he'd talk about MMA or something like that. And like yeah, he would teach us, but he also had a personality and I was like, you know what? Like this is a huge part of my life. I I really look forward to going to get to lift after school and the days stacked up and I got better at my sport. And eventually I ended up getting to play college football. Um, So then in college football, I, by that point I would realized I wanted to be a strength coach. So I was paying close attention to everything that we did in the weight room um, I was reaching out to people that were other strength coaches. Uh, then I got in touch with Will Giositz. So um that so back in high school, my strength coach Chris Fluck, he's been a mentor towards for me ever since I was 14, 15 years old. I still talk to him almost on a daily basis. Um, another mentor of mine, Will Giacts, I got in touch with him. And um, he kind of would, I've talked to him almost every day too, because He was helping me figure out, you know, just because you like, like, do you like working out? Do you like strength and conditioning? Well, pay attention to the lineup of the program, pay attention to the sets and the reps, pay attention to how it's coached. And then he got me in touch with Eric Marcosi, who um, is another one of my mentors. Now, Eric Marcosi is the head Lehigh strength and conditioning coach. So I finished my freshman year of college and I decided. Like I just really was going to dedicate my summers when I was home towards learning about strength and conditioning. So I reached out to Eric and I was like, Hey, like I'd love to learn about strength and conditioning, wondering if you need any help. And so Lehigh is a division one FCS school. They're in the Patriot league. So it's really easy for him to be like, no, like we got our coaches. We're good. But he said, no, come on in. I'll talk to you. So sat down, talked to Eric and uh he was just like very welcoming and he's like hey man like if you want to be a strength coach you can be around here as much as you want you can shadow you can learn and um honestly he's been huge in shaping me as a strength coach because i then after meeting him i was like yes this is absolutely what i want to do because you know seeing the impact that he had on the hundreds of athletes at lehigh was incredible Um, and you know, the one thing that it was the first time I think that I've ever felt comfortable being like the way I was, because I'm a pretty like type a individual, like I'm really competitive. I really want, uh, I want things to be like a perfect way. And sometimes that's like a downfall, but other times it can help bring you up to that elite level. And I could see like with the way Eric was. You know, he was that same way of just like chasing perfection. And um, I didn't feel weird about like not wanting to do the extracurricular activities that some college kids might do because I was worried about my training. I was worried about like my gains and like I'm worried about like every single meal I was having, man. I was thinking like, am I getting enough calories, enough protein? Like, And I felt comfortable. So um, I've been a volunteer assistant there at Lehigh between every summer and every winter I'd come home help out and um, he's kind of guided me over these last four years and now I I still I was actually with Eric this morning working at a camp with him and uh, just transitioned towards preparing me to become a grad assistant um, because early on then he was like hey if you like this maybe you should uh, pursue a master's degree pursue a grad assistantship because that's another way to gain experience there so that was kind of that was long drawn out but that's been it's been a continuous path and it's still kind of is guiding me towards like every day something new will pop up that reassures me why I'm glad I'm in strength conditioning
1: yeah man that's completely awesome and I love seeing younger coaches actually have a fire for strength conditioning I know that you and uh, myself and a few others that we've kind of built a almost like a little connection with on Twitter and on social media have really grown and really progressed in our advancements in strength and conditioning. That's awesome, man. Um, so let's get into the first segment here. It's called Triphasic Tricks and Tips. So this is where you're giving us a trick or a tip. That you discovered in your own coaching experience. So this could be in the weight room, Google Sheets, Field of Court, just something to help other coaches.
0: Yeah. Um, so I think there's like the pretty um usual tips of like it depends on your weight room, depends on the whole it depends type thing. I think the number one important tip I could give to any other young strength coach would be be yourself, be genuine, because um like eric at lehigh is a very intense person he's very energetic that's him naturally a lot of the time that gets talked poorly about of like oh like i I don't need a rah-rah guy some people are naturally rah-rah guys and if you are a naturally a rah-rah guy be that be unapologetic unapologetically be yourself in that way If you're not that guy, that's totally fine. You can still be an incredible strength coach. And I, you know, high schoolers, college kids, they see through the BS. So they see, you know, if you're not an energetic person and you try and always are bringing the juice, they're going to notice, you know, maybe not the first day, but three days in, they're going to notice this guy doesn't, he's not really this excited or, you know, this guy, he doesn't, th- this isn't him. Like the athletes want to see a coach that is a human being, not a robot. Um, you know, just talking about my own experience. Um, I'm again, I'm a grad assistant. I'm 23 years old. I'm coaching other athletes that some of them are also 23. Some of them are 24. Some of them athletes are older than I am. And I'm not gonna like it doesn't impact me negatively, but I'm not going to pretend that I'm some strength coach that's got 20 years of experience or whatever. I'm I'm very honest with them. I'm very upfront of like, listen, like, I I know exactly what you're going through. I was an athlete a year ago, and they'd like to hear that. I'm not always the most comfortable speaking in front of people. Like I I'm pretty comfortable, but every now and then I'll fumble through a sentence. And it's a God awful sentence of like, wow, like I just put like five words in a completely wrong order of a sentence. And I think the robot, the robotic way to go about that would to to pretend it didn't happen and to continue coaching. I love to like, I'll make fun of myself. I'm like, wow, did you guys just hear that sentence? Like it's the worst sentence I think I've said in weeks. And. I think things like that are really important for athletes to hear and see because, you know, they they go through the same things of like they're not great at public speaking. And they see a coach who then acknowledges their a downfall or something, and then they think, okay, like they they become a little bit more comfortable. And if you can be a human being as a coach and your athletes see that, they're gonna be more comfortable. And if your athletes are more comfortable, you're gonna get more buy-in with your training program. And it all just piles up to, you know, getting the results that you want. Sometimes you got to just be a normal person.
1: Yeah, absolutely. And I think that's something really important for, especially when we talk about like younger strength coaches and that's something that uh, at the strength roundtables that we're actually going to be kind of discussing um, sometime this week, actually. But what people don't know about like other coaches yet, we're not perfect, Right. So there's a lot of times that I stutter, and I got a bad stuttering problem, man. Like I'll sit there and fumble a sentence, or like you were talking about, or I'll just completely just like lose a thought mid sentence, and like I don't even remember what I was talking about, and then just kind of roll through the rest of the session. So I mean, like being honest with yourself is important, and being honest with your athletes is important as well. Like you're talking about being the rah-rah guy when you're not not that just naturally. Right. If you're sitting over here trying to bring the juice every single day, just like trying to hype up people left and right. I mean, like, I think at some point the athletes are going to get tired of you. And honestly, you might be tired of yourself at the end of the day. So, yeah, I just wanted to highlight that for a moment.
0: Um, And that was also another thing that um, in my time at Lehigh, they have four four coaches on staff and each coach is completely different. And, you know, Eric talks about that as being um, a highlight of their staff is that they all work with each other's teams and they all know, like, Eric is very intense, but Owen, Owen's a little more calm and Dom and Dylan are somewhere in the middle on the spectrum. But each athlete responds to different coaching. So they try and set it up so that these athletes get these different personalities throughout the week because if you got a week straight of some really intense person yelling at you that can be a huge stimulus but if you have like say you're you're having an exam or something and then you're coming in and you're like you know what i'm just gonna get spoken to softly today and you know the training's the training still but how it's communicated can be more personalized from somebody else it's a it's a huge advantage and um The more coaches you can be around, the more you can kind of think, you know, I kind of coach like, like maybe I coach like Dom and so I should pick up on some of his mannerisms, but I can take a piece from this coach and take a piece from this coach and you kind of make it your own coaching personality.
1: Yeah, for sure. And this kind of leads into our training topic for today, which we're going to be talking about multiple aspects. One of them being building your own training philosophy. Because I remember coming into, I believe it was 2020. It was my first year teaching. I was working with the high school. And uh well, that was one of the questions that I was asked by a football coach. What was your training philosophy? I was like, I don't know. Train heavy? Live heavy things? I don't know. Like, that was the reality of things. Like, I was never asked what was my training philosophy at, you know, my undergrad. It was always, well, you got to remember the Krebs cycle. You got to remember, um, uh the stretch shorting cycle, you know, just some of those things, you know, you're not asked what's your training philosophy. So talk to us about that for a moment, especially for younger coaches coming into the field. How do you build a training philosophy? What's yours?
0: Um. So that's an awesome question. And I think something that's really important is that you're, tr- you should always be building your training philosophy. Your training philosophy should probably never be completely figured out because as strength and conditioning evolves, you have to be able to adapt with all of the changes. Um, so my training philosophy, uh, you know, we talk about like, you have to be able to increase sport performance and reduce injury risk. Or some people will think like, oh, you know, I'm a conjugate guy, or I'm a triphasic guy or whatever. I think that the training philosophy just has to be centered around something like meeting your athletes where they're at, because maybe, you know, triphasic is great for some athletes, but half of your teams, if they, they're not experienced enough to do the true triphasic, then you have to adapt it. Or maybe it's completely not beneficial at all to do triphasic training with them. So um, I think that it's really important to, just take bits and pieces that you can from other people and make it what you are able to coach. Your training philosophy has to be what you can coach the best because let's say I think Coach Boyle is the best coach, whatever. I probably should not take his program and run it like it's my own because I'm not going to coach exactly how he is. So I'm going to maybe I'm influenced by him and I take bits and pieces from him but maybe I realize you know what I can take something from Cody that's a little bit better and I I'm doing a better job at communicating that to my athletes so that they can adapt and evolve from this training. So um just just when it's when you come up with a training philosophy if you're taking things that you're not able to coach it's It's worthless because, you know, if we're, we can't just be able to write exercises on a board, sets and reps and say, go do it. You have to make sure that your athletes are doing it properly, doing it safely. Um, Something that maybe I should have said even sooner, do no harm. That is a very important thing that has to be part of a training program is that you do no harm to your athletes. and. I mean, just like we saw might have been a month or two ago now with like the, the rhabdo cases and push-ups as punishment, whatever. Exercise shouldn't be punishment. And if it is, why are you – like that's doing harm. You're You're using exercise so that this athlete is miserable, unhappy. I think that's doing harm. Like if you really want to – Punish someone, take away their ability to exercise. If you take away their ability to exercise, then they think, you know what? Like I want to have to do exercise. Why is this getting taken away from me? So um wow, yeah, I just got a little off topic. But yeah, just with a training philosophy, you have to be able to coach it and communicate it. And that's where the art of coaching comes in, because I think great coaches are great communicators. You have to be able to demonstrate what you do, you have to be able to word it in a way that a 15-year-old kid can understand it. And if one 15-year-old kid gets it but the other doesn't, you have to then be able to reword it so that they understand what you are asking them to do. Um I don't know how often kids are also afraid to speak up. You have to be able to go to a kid and say does that make sense? And even then you say, does that make sense? Half of them are just going to say, yeah. And you're going to turn around, walk away, and they're not going to know what they're doing. So I think it's it's important then a part of your training philosophy is being able to pick these kids apart and really make sure that they understand it. That's where the human aspect comes in again. Can like watch them do it then. If they say they're comfortable, watch them do it. And some of them then might get two reps in, laugh and say, hey, no, I don't understand what I'm doing at all," and then you come in and you you help correct them and you build that relationship um but a training philosophy really I think is more centered around the the mo's and the Jo's than it is the x's and the o's, even though I'm sure so many people would disagree with that, and a lot of people love the the programming aspect of it. I love sitting eight months ahead of time and progressing to you know our our power block and doing everything we can so that we can get strong and then get explosive but it's all for nothing if you don't know the athletes that you're working with
1: yeah absolutely man and i want to talk to you about the little bit that you're talking about with um with uh you're talking about taking mike Boyle's program and you know running it as your own like i think that's something that's something or uh, that's something that's. um a lot of coaches have been very comfortable with the last few years was, well, I can send out my program to so-and-so. They can have my program. They can have my year-long. They can have my power block. They can have my tri training program, but they're not going to coach it the way that I coach it. And In some other cases, like you don't have the kids to run triphasic. You do not have the kids to run conjugate. You do not have the kids to run post-activation potentiation programs. So, I mean, like, it all just depends, right? It goes back to the famous words of it depends, right? right. It does. It, sometimes it does depend on, like, the kids that you have, the expertise that they have, right? Have they been developing since their sixth grade and now they're a sophomore, junior, getting ready to play football? Or are they a freshman that's never had any weight training experience at all and now they're coming in basically being thrown to the fire?
0: Right. And, I mean, like, I'm sure you follow Joey Burgles and you see the stuff that he's doing. That's some incredible stuff it's awesome he sees those kids though when they're in middle school he prepares them to do the um like the overloaded eccentrics and the overloaded isometrics that stuff's awesome the amount of people that can actually do that though with their athletes slim to none maybe just joey because you know you have to be able to see their evolution over time and make sure they're ready for that and all of that, it depends that we just talked about was it depends on the athletes. That's not even bringing into the fact of what equipment you have, how much space do you have? How much time do you have? Because once you put all of these things together, I think that's what shapes your training philosophy. Your training philosophy at one school might be completely different than when you get a job at another school because the weight room is bigger, has more equipment, so you can Expand further, or maybe it's less. maybe you have more equipment, but you have forty five minute blocks instead of an hour to train teams, so that's just why like your training philosophy has to always be adapting and evolving to your situation,
1: yeah, most definitely, and let's talk about like building a train philosophy for long term, right? You're right. talking about bringing little pieces here, little pieces there, right well, maybe I want to take this from this coach and try to use it with my athletes. Um, so what are some things that you are doing right now to adapt and grow your training philosophy? And what are some things that like, other coaches can do to improve their training philosophy?
0: So I'll, to answer the second one first, I think coaches need to understand the basics first. And, oh man, maybe I heard on... Maybe it was coach Boyle that and I listened to that podcast not too long ago when he talked about before you do the tips and tricks you have to understand the trade first. I think that is so relevant. So many people want to jump to point B without understanding point A. You know, a lot of people want to like host activation potentiation. That's great. There's so many nitpicky things in between there though how many athletes probably aren't strong enough to even respond to post activation potentiation. It's wild. So instead you had to understand how to get a kid strong. Um, so starting square one, knowing the the ideal way to set up a training plan. And maybe that means, you know, that's having your, your power stuff first or your plyos, your sprints, your power work, and then you go into your compound movements. Then you go into your accessory movements how do you set that up over a week? Whether it's a power push pull squat hinge, or knee dominant hip dominant, however you want to, however you choose to word it, maybe that's unilateral knee dominant, and then bilateral hip dominant. The following day is vice versa. Um, so I just think understanding the template of a training program is important because if you can have a um, a safe and sound training template. You will get benefits for a little bit, especially if you're working in high school. High school kids will adapt to a lot of training. And that's why there's a problem, still some lack of respect for strength coaches because you put some random coach, sport coach in there, and they're like, all right, we're going to do 400 push ups. Yeah, the kid is going to adapt to doing 400 push ups. Is that the best way to do it? Heck no. But, you know, you got to be able to just set up something that's, a safe and sound program for these athletes. Um, Once you get something that works for you, that you start to see results, then it's time to take that step of, all right, I have a foundation towards my programming knowledge. How can I continue to make this better? Um, This was something that I actually asked myself a lot. It was almost, I viewed it like a pendulum in my head. I looked at my ability to program And I looked at my ability to coach because there was a time period that I was really, really uncomfortable at speaking in front of people. So I was good at writing a a pretty generic training program that I was like, okay, we'll go three weeks of eights, three weeks of fives, three weeks of threes, whatever, pretty basic stuff. So I worked on my ability to speak in front of people, to communicate what I wanted to see out of them. Once I got really comfortable at speaking and delivering this program, I then realized, okay, it's time to take my program to the next level where how can I make this um you know whether it's more complex, which you don't always need to make it more complex, but maybe you need to pay attention to the details a little bit better. Um, so I think that it's important to just know what you need to work on because sometimes it's programming, sometimes it's working on delivering that program so then. How I worked on expanding my ability to program was I would I immerse myself in multiple weight rooms, um, and so like along with my experience of I've done internships at Springford High School, um, which is where I, I they have a beautiful weight room, and I got to see a whole bunch of high school programs put in place. I got to coach there, and I got to ask Coach Will Sitz, again, one of my mentors. Why are you doing this? And that's where I started to take bits and pieces from there. Um, during COVID, I had the opportunity to do, um, whether it was online internships or online learning experiences with, um, I did an online internship with the Kutztown Strength Coach. I did an online learning experience with the Diamondbacks and took bits and pieces there. And these are all three ways of continuing my education. Uh, I immersed myself in Lehigh. There's four strength coaches there. They all write programs slightly different. So I could take bits and pieces there. And then practicing it. You can't just take it and write it down. I think it's important that you do it yourself too. Uh, I think that was a debate on Twitter or important pretty recently too. Um, Coaches practicing what you preach. And I'm a firm believer that you got to understand not just like visually, you have to experience what you're asking your athletes to do. And I understand not everyone's going to be able to do that. Some people find that out at age 45, that they should know what their athletes are feeling. No, you're you're probably not capable of doing the exact training, or maybe you did powerlifting for 20 years. And so you're ridiculously strong and you have no empathy to understand what a high schooler is experiencing and what a high amount of sets and reps can actually feel like, like you ever seen like the 10 by 10, whatever. It's like no high schooler needs to do that. You, you, um, but I just think that you should be able, sorry, I just lost my train of thought there. So Eric Marcosi at Lehigh, he is, I think he's like 42 right now. I don't know his exact age, but he he does all the training. He, for the last 20 years, he has done the training that he's given his college kids. He's in phenomenal shape. And I think I talked about this, maybe it was before the podcast started up, but he views, he lives his life at an elite level. You know, he, he does all of the training. He cheats on his diet once a year on his birthday, like things like that, that I think have made him an incredible coach. Now, that's a it's a pretty uh, tough lifestyle to live. It's not for me, uh, for the, the the nutrition part. But being able to do a football lift at Lehigh, hours before I had to then coach the football team, allowed me to better coach the football team because I knew everything that they were feeling. I knew everything that they were experiencing, and I could then have, if I say I wasn't an empathetic person. I at least know what they felt earlier. So I can say, Hey, I felt this earlier. Is this what you feel? Yes. Well, this is how I fixed it. No. Then you start to work on your other coaching skills of how do you, um, adapt or how do you find a different cue to change what they need to change? Um, but yeah, I think it's really important to be able to do the training that they do.
1: Yeah. So uh, I know that's been a very hot topic about should you do the workouts that your players, your athletes do. I see both sides of the coin on this. So I see it as a young professional, myself, yourself, or any, anyone really getting into strength uh, and conditioning. I see it, yeah, you need to understand what your athletes are going through. You know, your athlete maybe a year ago. And you didn't lift any of that time because you got burned out because you've been sitting there lifting for almost the last ten years. Like you gotta understand what your athletes are going through. That's a major aspect of this job. Now, on the other side of that coin, people like Mike Boyle, that's been in the industry for God, what, 30, 40 years? Yeah. I mean, he does not need to do every single lift that a football team has done. He Absolutely doesn't need he doesn't need to be squatting 500 pounds. Like, right. you know, he has nothing to prove. He's been in right. the industry for a long time. He's ma- he's already put the stamp on himself and, and on the industry of strength and conditioning. Now, people like myself, yourself, uh, younger coaches going into here, like, yeah, they're, they're, you probably we, need we to... We don't have
0: that stamp yet. But no. But if we understand the training, that gets us closer to getting that stamp.
1: Right. Exactly. Exactly. So, like... Maybe being a little bit stronger. Maybe you probably do need to be benching a good amount, of weight, squatting a good amount of weight. Like a high school 14 year old kid that plays quarterback should not be out squatting you. They should not be out benching you. Like that's I, That's just personally. And you know, especially in the high school setting because they view you as a guy that's really strong and in shape. So if you're not really strong and in shape, it's gonna be hard to get by in it is yeah. at the high school level. Just having it a little matter. bit of athleticism within yourself they will think, go a long way. I listen
0: to this guy. Yeah, exactly. This person, and, and um, not that it has to be a guy. Whatever. I think pound to pound stuff matters because um, we have we have a, a female grad assistant strength coach at uh, East Strasburg, and she's awesome, and. She's not gonna be able to outbench some of her players or out squat, whatever. But she's fairly strong for pound for pound. And that stuff matters a lot too because uh, you know, they see I think it's all about creating buy-in. And uh I think maybe buy-in's thrown around too much or whatever. But if you see someone that practice what they preaches, a kid is gonna think, wow, this is important. Or, wow, this person cares about their job. And if they see someone that cares about their job or th- does things that that now makes this kid think that it's important, they are more likely to be intrinsically motivated to do it uh, compared to the, you know, I don't want to have to go to work and have to motivate a kid to lift every single day. So if I can live my lifestyle in a certain manner that... Uh, causes kids to be more intrinsically motivated if kids walk in and you know, they, or they happen to walk by the weight room and see me busting my ass between my hours in between coaching and school, whatever, they might be like, well, you know what? Coach is doing this. I, I can do this. So I think that's really important because uh, I don't know why mental toughness that, that word's coming to my mind because it's not the right thing, but it like, It it builds this mental understanding of it's important to do hard things. And I think that's that is an aspect of mental toughness. I don't know if I'm trying to open that can of worms or not. I I think that's just confidence in doing hard things. And if they see a coach that's confident in doing hard things, they're more likely to want to do hard things. And then they become more confident and all of a sudden they're saying, you know, bring it on whatever you want to throw my way. I'm ready for it. Then they get on the field, A tougher team comes their way, bring it on. I'm ready, ready for whatever. So I think that if that's what I think is so important about um, practicing what you preach, because if you're, if you're not, they're going to think, what's the point? You don't do this.
1: Right. And I, have a quick story about that. So yeah. when I first got to the school that I'm at right now, so I came in during the summer. I did a little bit of their spring work, but I came in the summer. I was kinda of getting ready for um this other guy took care of the team before me. So we were kind of transitioning here. And I don't know if anyone knows anything about me, but I'm not that big of a guy. I'm like five ten, two hundred pounds. I'm I'm not I'm not I I'm not like the six five all beast so. <laughs> Yeah, I'm not this 6'5", balded, bearded, jab down my mind. Like, I'm not fat, and I'm not going to pretend I am. But uh, one of the kids, I mean, high school kids, especially football players, think they're big and bad. And, you know, we had a kid that squatted, I think he was 280, 315, just somewhere within that range. He looks at me and goes, oh, yeah, coach, you can't do that. And I was like, eh, Okay and uh you know i don't know where kids from time to time and i'm just like you know i i'm not getting the argument with a 15 year old about right basketball like, i'm they not gonna to, do it
0: they love like, to make I, fun of you where it hurts the most
1: i know i was like i'm not gonna make fun of it i'm not gonna make i'm not even gonna entertain it and then he made a little bit sly comment about me being weak i said like, okay turn back around put on 405 i think i did like two or three reps of it and said don't ever call me weak again and then we went out to practice field so like it, it does help.
0: The, the amount of and yeah, I mean, if you're doing that every day, might be saying like, dude, like, why do you got an ego with high school kids? But no, every now and then, like, that's great to do because they see that, and they every a kid, high school kids need to be humbled, man. You know, they they have way too of an ego. Uh, you know, they on the the Dunning Kruger effect, they live on Mount Stupid. Like, they they don't know what they don't know, and so sometimes you gotta let them know, like. Hey like you 315 squatting like that's not strong like you got to learn what the strong is and uh it sometimes it realigns their priorities though it realigns their goals of like shoot like coach raspberry's just repped out 405 that's my new goal and you know shooting for the stars they they're going to reach higher levels than when they were just aiming for the sky
1: yeah for sure man and that kind of leads into our next topic, which is communication between athletes and coaches. We kind of highlighted little specs there. And that's something that's pretty important to our job. If not, it's uh it's kind of almost a validation of how our programs are going to roll, right? If they can't if you cannot build a relationship with an athlete, then they cannot be honest with you. You can't run certain schemes. Like if you're on an RPE scale and you're not honest with them and they're not honest with you, then that complete philosophy is just thrown out. So right. talk to us about like how do you communicate with your athletes? What makes them want to come back to see you besides the requirement that they have to come back to see you? I mean, honestly, what keeps them coming back? How do you communicate with them? You know, is there certain things that you talk to them about? And we talked about, like, we're real people too. We're not just these machines that spit out, you know, uh, conjugate and post, uh, activation, potentiation, whatever. Like, how do you communicate with your athletes on the daily?
0: Yeah, absolutely. Um, you know, one of my biggest pet peeves is people saying, how are you? And they don't, they don't care that they don't care what your answer is. You say good, like, cool, whatever. I love to ask, how are you? I'm good. Why? What was good about your day? And a lot of people are like, Whoa. I was like, no, like, what was one good thing from today? Why, why are you good? And they'll say, you know, I got a good grade on the test. Well, what test did you take? Then you get to learn more about, you know, what they're studying, what they're interested in. They say, I'm okay. Why only okay? What what went wrong today? Or what, what can make today better? And it gets them thinking about their day. And, you know, what they're like, you know what? No, I am good. Or maybe it's like, yeah, well, you know, stressed out. I had to do this and that had a lot of classes or whatever. And I say, well, that's all right. You know, like that's a, that's a normal school day or like that's just like the stresses of life. I was like, yeah. and then I love to like hype up the weight room. Like where else would you rather be than in the weight room right now? You know, like pumping some iron, like the, your days about to get 10 times better. But if you can have some of these like little tricks that actually show you care about your athletes, they're more likely to then talk to you about what's going on in their life because you actually have shown that you care about what's going on in their life. Uh, Again, like being true to who you are, like have a personality outside of strength and conditioning. You know, some things that I love to do outside of strength and conditioning. um, I like to play Frisbee golf. Like that's something that I started doing in COVID. Like that's something that I can talk about that's like not I guess it's kind of sports I love to play chess you know how many meatheads or strength coaches, whatever you want to like talk like play chess talk about chess but I think that's something that makes me you know it, it adds layers to me it adds this outside thing of like yeah my life doesn't just revolve around the weights like my, my life has these other layers to it that makes me a normal human being and sometimes like even joking about chess half of them are like what the heck but they say what the heck and they learn like all right there's more to this guy that it's like when the when the high school kid sees their teacher at the grocery store and they're like what are you doing here and the, the teacher's like yeah i eat food too like you know you got to you got to show that you have these layers to you so i'll talk about like the newest Marvel movies that come out, man. I love Star Wars. I'll talk about Star Wars or I'll talk about, you know, Outer Banks is coming out. Like there's normal things in life and pop culture or whatever that are pretty easy to talk about that you don't, you don't have to understand it that great. You can know about it and ask them about it and they will tell you. So sometimes the last thing an athlete wants to talk about is their jump height or the practice or whatever. Um, and you should be able to talk about that stuff too, as a coach. Like, how's practice? uh you know, what'd you practice today? What did you do? And just let them talk to you about it and hear it. But it's also important to be able to talk about other things completely outside of the weight room, because that's where you build that relationship. Once you have, I, again, i I think that's the foundation to any coach-player relationship is an outside of sport understanding of each other of like. Hey, I'm a human. You're a human. This is my job. Your job right now is to train for your sport. But then, with all of that there as a foundation, they're more comfortable in saying, "Hey, coach, you know, my shoulder's bothering me today." Okay, well, what happened? And they're not afraid to get into like, "I was at practice and this happened," or, "Coach, I was a knucklehead over the weekend and I bashed my foot off of something." And I was like, "Okay," because I'm not gonna harp on the why it happened. Now they trust me to get them where they need to be. So, okay, we're gonna cut this out. We're gonna adjust this exercise, and then like, okay, thanks, coach. And they're still able to train, still able to get the work in, and they know that I'm there for them to help them figure out a better way to like. I uh, strength and conditioning is a servant job. And if I can find ways to better serve my athletes and they understand that I'm there to serve them, then it's going to get the ball rolling in the complete right direction.
1: Yeah, a hundred percent, man. Like we deal with athletes every single day and sometimes the misogyny of their sport and then coming back to the weight room and then just a repeat of the cycle over. Like it's good to kind of switch up every once in a while. Talk about something different, like. Honestly, we're we're gonna be here talking about sport performance and strength and conditioning. We wanna know about averts and horizontal displacement and speed mechanics and conjugate training and triphasic whatever. Like that's all of our head. Like that's in the forefront of my mind. But at the same time, you're talking about having other interests. Maybe it is talking about like maybe some NFL football, you know, outside right. of the four walls of your weight room or on your practice field maybe it's talking about the new marvel movie that's coming out maybe it is talking about star wars maybe it's talking about the office which i'm a big office fan of everyone yeah, else there is a big Yo, uh, office
0: fan college people haven't seen that that I, I can't even you know like right like your face right now says it all but yeah i'll try and reference something about the office people say I don't really like the office. I'm tempted to say, get out of my weight room, but <laughs> you know, again,
1: yeah, man, like I sit there and that's one of the things me and my wife bonded over was when we first started dating was the office, right? We, we always have this common interest of the office and I bring that into the weight room. And sometimes the kids don't understand what I'm talking about. Right. I'll say like some office reference and they're like, I, I have no idea what it's from. And it's like, well, it looks like i'm getting kind of dated and then i'm only 26 <laughs> so um yeah man that's completely awesome talking about like communication with athletes it goes a lot it can go a long way with coaches you know if we get to this you know i hope no one has this of injuries right yeah. you know that short conversation opens up a door for them and allows you to actually get to connect or whatever you know later down the road if I hope god prevent this you know if you had injury in your um, practice or injury in your facilities whatever i mean you want them to be open honest with you about some of these things that are going on with them um you know coach i'm not getting enough nutrients if it's um you know an injury uh, i'm not getting food at home whatever i mean you got to be able to open up the door to them
0: right and uh you know talking about scope of practice or whatever Yeah, sometimes it's good to acknowledge scope of practice. Strength coach is not a registered dietitian. Strength coach is not an athletic trainer. Um, So if you can guide someone towards an expert if they need it, uh, whether it's an athletic trainer, a physical therapist, nutritionist, that's great. But it doesn't hurt to sometimes give advice. You know, part of the CSCS, there's a nutrition aspect to it. Uh, And, you know, like I gave like, just some casual advice to uh, my volleyball team the other day like hey guys like chocolate milk has some great protein source like things that are have protein are a good thing to eat after a training session um and then like i'm not saying like you need a fistful of this and uh, how many of this on your plate and it needs to be all these colors i don't know that stuff but i know that Chocolate milk is a decent thing to drink after a workout because, based off of the um, all of the uh, amino acids in it, and you know it's from a like it's animal base, whatever. Just because stuff you learn in nutrition. Uh, and I said that to the volleyball team, and then got a couple messages in our volleyball group chat. Then of like, coach, I'm drinking chocolate milk, and I was like thrilled because like, hey, like, again, I'm not a nutritionist, but I'm able to give some sort of advice. That can also help them get better. That's outside of the weights,
1: right? And you're talking about stuff like outside of the CSCS, You know, there's things of like nutrition. There's a rehab and conditioning portion in the Essentials textbook that, like, yeah, we can help rehab an athlete. Even though you know right. we go to physical therapists for that, or they go to athletic trainers, you know, for rehab, whatever. That's still a part of our I'm not gonna say scope of practice, but part of our um almost our job. Like we have to keep kids stronger. We have to keep athletes stronger. We have to keep them inside, conditioned, uh, rehabbed, whatever, so they are not losing whatever they earned, you know, throughout the entire off season. And that's one thing that really bothers me, like with athletes. You know, they go through the entire off season healthy, doing everything right, and then you know, maybe week one they get hurt. I mean, we have to sustain and keep what they have built this entire what six, seven months of all season training and not lose it just because of one day or one week that they got hurt. I mean they could right. be they need to be able to come in here and do the things and maybe it is going to see the athletic trainer, maybe it's going to see a physical therapist, maybe it is going to see a nutritionist, someone that's an expert in that, but that doesn't
0: keep doesn't mean us we can't help.
1: Right. And that's something like if you're saying, well, we need to help. That's a great way to help. Like, you know, you don't have to, like you said, know the fistful of protein or carbs, whatever. But saying, you know, uh, you can download my fitness pal app and you can track your calories that way. Like that has nothing to do outside of our scope of practice. That's just a basic
0: like even if we weren't strength coaches, that's just for overall health. Right. And I mean, they're going to try and seek out the amount of people that are actually going to pay to see a nutritionist or whatever. That's a college kid and put money out of their pocket. That isn't, you know, if I can just give general recommendations that gets them slightly healthier, it doesn't have to be perfect advice. If I can, like the guidance is just so important because they might, if they want to pursue it, they can. But I, I feel good knowing I at least guided them in the right direction.
1: Absolutely. And let's kind of go into our last topic here. Okay. So scheduling around sport practices, and this is something that I'm starting to experience now. And so I'm glad that we're talking about it now because I'm starting to experience it now and I probably need a little bit of advice about this. So it can be hard. It it really can. It can get pretty, uh, get pretty tight with yeah, <laughs> with your time sure. and everything like you know, you, ha- you may in your head think of like, well, they can, they can come in here, they can come in here, and then a sport coach can come in and say, well, we're having this on this day. And then you get to change everything. So, how do you go around adjusting your schedule to various sports schedules? Because that can get very complicated very quickly.
0: Yeah, absolutely. It can. Uh, so, East Strasburg, we don't have a huge weight room. We got. Um, it's like a little box of a room and we got, uh, six total racks for front and back. It's 12 total racks. Uh, and I don't know. I wouldn't, I'd be doing a disservice <laughs> estimating the square footage, but it's not a very big room. And then we have a supplementary, supplementary weight room out in our field house that has six racks, got dumbbells up to 50 pounds, some barbells some trap bars. Um, So it's not like we have an abundance of room and weights and racks. So the scheduling is, it's tight some days, you know, we get teams for sometimes it's 45 minutes at a time. Sometimes I have an in-season team for 15 to 20 minutes at a time. And that's when you deviate from what like the the optimal training might be, but that's because you got to deal with the situation you have. Um, So we have, at the beginning of the semester, the GA's got a, like a generic, like here are the times blocked out for each team. And that was like perfect world scenario. These are the days and times that these teams are going to be here. (laughs) No world is perfect though. Um, So we started to work on uh, a, it's like a Google spreadsheet, Google calendar type thing that we can kind of keep track of, you know, uh baseball's not coming in today. So here's a free block and then you see that free block and it allows for more flexibility. So um I would think I think it's very important to have some sort of maybe like set in stone schedule but a- an adapting schedule that adapts to games, practices, etc. so you you know when you'll have gaps to squeeze a team in or a teams training can run a little longer. Um that was been, that's been very helpful. Then it's also important to, um, it's important to talk with the sport coach. And that's been something that's been really beneficial for me as a grad assistant is I've had this, this opportunity to have to build relationships with sport coaches. Uh, you know, the basketball coach, coach Wilson, he's been there for, I think over 20 years and, you know, he gets a new grad assistant every single year. So for him to have to work with, like I'm just the next grad assistant that is going to work with his team. And man, I was intimidated by that. Um, like that, that's, it's tough saying like, Hey, like, I know you've had three other strength coaches over the last three years, but here I am. Um, so you got to be able to build a relationship with each coach and whether you're intimidated or not, you got to, Communicate with them, get their phone number, talk them through a training philosophy, um, because that might allow you to get more flexibility within the weight room. It might get you, you know, Hey, we're not going to condition at practice because we have strength training afterwards. And, you know, running 15 gassers might really negatively impact our strength training after practice. So building relationships and communicating with sport coaches is really important. Uh, and I mean, I, I, again, I sat down with coach Wilson and I talked him through, he wanted to understand the training program. So I talked him through what my plan was, why we're doing the sets and the refs, like the total volume, uh, and it got buy-in from him and it gave me more freedom to work with the time that he wanted us to have. Um, and so then I would get training schedule or not training because practice schedules from coaches. That also would allow me to shape how, like, time blocks of. All right, we you're tra- you're practicing four to six p.m. Um, we have these teams in at six, so today we're gonna have to train before practice. And here's what training before practice is gonna look like compared to training after practice. Just because, even then, sometimes there's still the the issue of, well, I don't want them to be tired before practice. Okay, well, we'll do some stuff that. Might potentiate them for practice, and maybe three quarters quarters of them are strong enough to get potentiated, and the other twenty five percent, they'll they'll see some sort of benefits from power training. So, um, it's important to know the practices, what days they are off, because, you know, depending on what day games are, if you have the basketball season, they'd have games on Wednesdays and Saturdays. So, um, you know, if they play on a Saturday, they would get a Sunday off, they'd be back on Monday, Tuesday, practice, game again on Wednesday. So technically, I'd have between Saturday and Wednesday, they'd have three days, they'd have a day to recover, then they would train and lift on a Monday. And so that's when I know like, okay, we're going to get our squats in on Mondays, because that's probably an optimal time period of they're not... Beat to the ground. They didn't have a game the day before. They're not ridiculously sore. And then Thursdays, um, that's when we, we'd bench on Thursdays, and we'd have we'd get some single leg. Um, whether we do, trying to recall off the top of my head, but we Mondays would be more lower body heavy compared to we'd get some lower body working on the Thursday, but because they had a game the day before, and then they have a game two days after. I I can only justify a little bit of lower body work. So um, it's really important just to continuously adapt around that. Again, it depends. It depends on the sport coach. It depends on the buying of the sport coach. It depends on the practice schedule, how long they're practicing. As the season goes on too, um, how are they responding? Because if these guys are staying strong, they're staying healthy, and they're energetic when they come into the weight room, you can maybe push for training to be a little bit longer. Not that now some people are like, oh, you're you're adding volume at the as the in season goes on. It, whatever, it depends on the buying of those athletes because if they feel strong, they're gonna like training as the season goes on. Now some of them, some we had some times where it was a game Monday, Wednesday, Saturday, Monday, Wednesday, Saturday. You know, like training took the back seat there. A lot of, you know, a strength coach has to keep in mind the sport is the main thing. And, you know, I, yeah, I'd love for the guys to have been able to get some sort of lifting in or some sort of training over that time period. But they had so much on their plate that strength training wasn't a priority for the team at that point. Now, if it was a situation where it wasn't a new grad assistant every year, there could be a stronger relationship between um, the, the coach that was responsible for the basketball team. And then so we actually had, so two of our grad assistants at East Stroudsburg did the program over two years. And because they're both in their second year, they get this more buy-in from the sport coach. They, they've, not, I don't know if proven themselves is the right word, but they've developed this relationship that's strong enough that, uh, they can get a lift in before game day and be trusted by the sport coach. They can, some of them tried some game day lifts and uh, it all just came down to, did they build a strong enough relationship with the coach? Did they have that trust from the coach? And did they have that trust from the players?
1: Yeah, man. I think also, I think it was either Cody or Clay that I talked to in the last month said that you also got no ball. You got love ball. Because if you don't understand basketball, if you don't understand football, if you don't understand the demands of that sport, it's very hard to program appropriately for those sports, especially being on a time crunch as well. You're right. If I, if I got 15, 20 minutes and basketball is about to play a game tomorrow and I'm not going to wear them out, I need to do A, B, C, D thing get in, get out. You know, it's uh, some of those almost logical, kind of logical thinking in strength and conditioning. It's like, okay, I understand what their needs are. We're just going to get through this. It may be lowers. It may be uppers, total body, whatever, whatever your style is, whatever, you know, it right. depends. Right. Um, but I think that's a that's what you're talking about was great. And also, yeah, you got to know ball.
0: Yeah, for sure. Because, um, and also the wins and the losses matter. If the team comes in and they just lost four games in a row, they're how energetic are they going to be? They're not going to like. They're probably going to be a little bit low energy. If they just came off with a couple great wins. Like the morale of the team is going to be up, and you have to be able to adapt to your athletes. Um, you have to be able to understand. Say it's a football team. Hey, if you're talking to the running back and he got 35 carries the other night he's probably not feeling too great. But if you don't know or don't acknowledge that, like he, you know, how beneficial is the weight room going to be for him? If you're giving him whatever your plan is, not taking into account that he just got tackled 35 times. Like he just, it's, I don't know. It's really important to understand the sport too, because the sport is the main thing. The weight room is, has to complement what, uh, the weight room is complementary to, What is happening on the court, on the field, whatever, you know, who cares if somebody's squat didn't go up if coach says they're playing better and they are playing better and they're feeling better, you know? And it's humbling for a strength coach to hear that. Uh, Again, my mentor, Eric Marcosi, says, he told me, man, you got to be willing to fall on your sword. Uh, it's, It's true because every now and then the weight room would get pushed aside, but it was a benefit to the team and i'm there to, my job our job is to serve that team so uh yeah just you got to know ball you got to know that ball is the most important thing
1: and also you gotta find that balance right you can't throw the weight room just out of your priorities right and right. that's what the sport coaches you know kind of got realized like yes in the season your sport is priority number one but your maintenance or taking care of your athletes is number two. And part of taking care of your athletes is getting work in the weight room, whether whatever that work is like, right? And it depends on the coach, and it depends on your situation, time of year, right? Week one is a lot different than week six in football. Week, week six in football, you know, you're sore, you're tired, you, you don't want to go to the weight room. you
0: you've been sore for about 10 weeks at that point. <laughs> like, yeah, for sure. Um, and – Back to the whole training philosophy, you have to be able to explain the why. If you can't justify why you're doing, if there's one single thing that you can't justify why you're doing it, it should not be in your training plan. Because what happens when a sport coach says, "Well, why are we doing this?" and you say, well, "I saw it online," or "I, I don't know," like th- that's going to kill your buy-in from the coach. That's going to a player says, "Why are we doing this?" You can't answer it. Man, that player's going to think you're an idiot. Like, so you have to, you have to be able to explain the why for every single thing. And again, that makes you a better coach because if you can say why you're doing it, you understand your program to such a deep understanding.
1: Right. That's one thing I always love when an athlete wants to open up that can of worms. You know, when we do in season, we do a French contrast, similar French contrast post uh, activation potentiation work. So they'll ask me all the time, it's like, why were you doing a trap bar and then go and doing like pogos or something, you know, something like that to that extent. It's like, well, if you really want to know, it's about speed force development, it's about rate coding uh development, it's about getting your trap bar deadlift. you know, get your um uh power up, you know, because we're only doing five sets of three, so uh, like eighty percent. So we're still building strength, also while you're you know, blah 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 yeah, blah and blah. The, I mean like it, it opens up that can I of worms. Squirt.
0: All a high schooler knows is the mitochondria is the powerhouse of the cell. Like they don't know anything about anatomy, so they hearing this is like, "Oh shoot, okay."
1: Right. I just I I love opening up that can of worms. It one because like I like talking about it, but two, you know, you can kind of see the look on their face, like from "Oh, I'm about to get this guy" to "Oh, uh, I I don't even know what he's talking about anymore." So it's it's wonderful. I love it, man. Uh, kind of wrapping up things here. Our last segment here. So, Conjugate Coach Spotlight. So, is there a coach out there that you want to highlight that's making the impact in the industry, whatever? Yeah,
0: man. Um. So, of my my three main mentors, Chris Fluck, he's not on Twitter. Eric Marcosi, he's not on Twitter. But Will Giacits is on Twitter. He's Will I Am. Uh, he's the head strength and conditioning coach at Springford High School. Um and he's he's a phenomenal person um he's a great coach, but he's I think more importantly he's a phenomenal person so um he's definitely someone that I think everyone should go follow on twitter um if you ever have questions like reach out to him like he he loves to help people um I think that's something that has been real important to me in strength and conditioning is the quality of person that I've gotten to learn from they've always been. they've been great coaches but they've always been better people than they are coaches um so yeah coach will gia sits on twitter he's he's awesome i can't say enough great things about him he's been a huge help for me um i talked to him on the phone two days ago about just like man because as i'm finishing up my grad assistantship looking for jobs and everything like he's been he's guided me and stuff so I, I, yeah, I would just say Coach Bill Giazzetti is a solid follow, and I, I, I you should have him on this cast. And I think he'd totally be down for it. I think he would too. Uh, he's reached out to me a couple of times, and I
1: reached out to him a couple of times, especially with that CSCS work. So um, he's oh, got yeah. a couple of study guides, and yeah. I've had him and looked through them and all that stuff. So he's he's been a very helpful uh, resource, um, also, especially you know for someone like you. But uh, you know. He's reached out to me a couple of times as well about that CSCS. So
0: awesome.
1: Um, Steve, I want to thank you again for being on the conjugate chats and just bringing that insight and going down some rabbit holes here and there. But um, it was great, you know, talking to you. It's great to be able to connect with you. Yeah, um, this
0: is awesome. I, this is our first time talking face to or, face or, you know, over zoom, but this is awesome. Thanks for having me, man.
1: Absolutely. And that's another episode of the Conjugate Chats. Please follow our social media platforms at Conjugate Chat Podcast on Twitter and TikTok. Also follow our guests on social media as well. In the name of strength, stay strong and have a day today.